Science. Hey everyone, welcome to Probably Science. I'm Matt Kershen. Hello there, I'm Andy Wood. Andy, Andy, smirking because I, I get rid of my head. I don't like the headphones. I mean, they're bad headphones. They're and also, I've got the one with the bad connection, so it's cutting in and out. It's okay. worse than not having them at all. We'll upgrade soon. 2018 resolution. Yeah. The listeners don't care if you have headphones or not. No, but, you know, I think they like that we've still got our genuine original Kobe headphones. Kobe brand headphones. As bought on eBay when we were setting up the show six years ago. Except only substitutes. Yeah. Hey, we got a guest. Yes, we do. We hey. do. Uh, we have a guest who's a fellow podcaster, host of Who Shot Ya on Maximum Fun. That is correct. It's Ricky Carmona. Hey, guys. How are you? Thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. This is always that weird moment when I'm like, am I allowed to talk as soon as the show starts? Yeah, or do I kind of wait? show to show. <laughs> you're, in. You're, you're in. You're officially Oh, it's it good now. to be here. I heard everything you guys said before. I love, <laughs> and I, I, next time I'll bring my own headphones. Or you know what? I'll buy you guys some headphones. How's that? You know what? I think <laughs> I think I have a line on, on, a, on a good, we'll talk after the show, but I think there's a, <laughs> you know a dude? There's a win-win ahead of us. I got a oh, guy man. who got it in the back of his truck, man. <laughs> <laughs> Matt, how was how was your wait? Is this our first time back? No, it's not. No, no it's, it's not. not. It's That's not true. at all. <laughs> I forgot how much time has passed and what month. If you're asking how <laughs> much Christmas and New Year's was, it was much the we same as when we talked talk about it last week. <laughs> last week, yes, we have with Argie and TJ. <laughs> my my, my week by. since then has been very nice. Thank That's you. Good to hear. It's, been, it's been lovely. I'm, I'm glad to hear that. <laughs> yes, um, I think now's the time when when somebody says Happy New Year to you, you go, come, what are you, what are yeah, you doing? Come on, man. Not, it's still we're getting the double digits. It's still a useful thing to say when you. You meet someone who you half know, or you're like, hey, I just want to inject some enthusiasm into this meeting of someone I haven't seen in a few months. (laughs) I think as soon as Christmas passes, everybody, not everybody, but uh, people who want to make sure they're not, um, you know, rubbing anyone the wrong way, get kind of excited because like, I'm in the clear now. I've got a week to say this thing that no one can get mad at. We pretty much all use the same calendar, so I can say Happy New Year to everybody and not have to worry which side of an issue I'm on. Oh, I say Happy the Birth of Christ plus seven. (laughs) Plus seven. (laughs) I saw uh, I saw a comedian Hugh Moore at an open mic uh, last week, and I said a happy new New Year to him. But then I went in for a hug, and I could tell he didn't want to hug. Oh. And it was like that awkward, like Happy New Year, bro. Oh, you don't want to do this. All right, my bad. Whoopsie Daisy. <laughs> I think that's a danger coming back from Burning Man for the first week or so, also because that's like the default mode of greeting there. And it's like, oh, oh not, not everyone that wants a hugger. <laughs> You got to recalibrate. This is it's nuts. Uh, Said it right. Said it right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, when is the war on New Year's going to start? Who, who's going to? What are the battle, battle lines going to be in that? People who are anti-Gregorian. A war on New Year's. I think I might. I might. Be, I might start a war on Valentine's Day. You oh. know. I might, I might I'm get with the... it. Who wouldn't be? Who wouldn't be? Yeah. That's. Yeah. It's Saint Valentine's Day. <laughs> <laughs> I was I was uh, I was shopping at my local Ralph's, and I already saw Valentine's Day set up, and I was like, "Fuck this holiday!" Oh, am I allowed to swear? Oh on this? yeah, yeah, of okay. course. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, "Man, fuck this holiday! I hate this shit already." Yeah, I and guess... I usually actually am indifferent about Valent. I mean, it's I I used to care about it because uh, I don't know if you guys know this. I'm I'm divorced, and I when when I got married, it was the day after Valentine's Day. So that was always kind of like, uh, for the first couple of years, it was like a rough leading up to it. But now it's like, eh, whatever. 
But this this past week, like seeing the Valentine's Day stuff, that's why I was like, man, fuck all that fuck shit. All that, yeah. But it felt good to hate it for a different reason. <laughs> now I hated it just because I was like, oh, this bitch is too early. Come on, man. I'm not ready for this yet. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I'm trying to think of what the main holidays that uh, my neighbor, Marsha, who also listens. Uh, hello, Marsha. Hey, Marsha. Um, she, of her own volition, just decorates the common areas of the apartment building here. Probably four times a year, so I'm not sure. Wh- I don't think Valentine. I don't think I'm going to have a cupid on my door, but um, she'll do. She'll do Easter. I think. Well, maybe. Yeah, that one's a little risky. That's that's religious, even though it's super secular, also. But uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure we'll get something for Easter, Halloween, obviously. Sure. Throw up some stuff. Um, there's still, I think, a red bow on my door. She put there from holiday season. <laughs> oh, I thought that was because she was giving you a door. As a present. <laughs> <laughs> this door, a new door for me. Yeah, they always, yeah, big door throws all that money into those TV campaigns. Big where, door. Right, big door money. Dorothon, yeah. If you loved your wife, if you wake up on Christmas morning, there'd be a brand new. <laughs> those are the commercials I want to start seeing during the holidays. Instead of walking out in your driveway, a big car with a bow on it. Oh, I got you a huge door. Yeah. Aww. It's like I, too big for the hole that's there for yeah. it doesn't close. I got you that toilet paper you asked me to pick up on the way home. <laughs> Just a, that is a good thing to do. Like, you know, if you ever have to get a rental car or if your car's getting repaired in the, and they gave, they give you the loaner. Just to make the neighbors jealous. Yeah. What if your significant other really loves ribbons? How do you gift someone a ribbon? Oh, man. Is the ribbon you put on top of it smaller or larger than the, like the comically Christmas ribbon? You got me a ribbon under a ribbon. We like to ask our guests what, if anything, is your background in science? Oh, I don't know shit, dog. <laughs> I mean, we've had we've had everything from PhDs to I had a teacher that I liked or a teacher that I hated or we used to blow stuff up in the woods with our friends. Oh, okay, all right. Well, I mean, I've taken my you know my mandatory high school science classes, so uh, I've had you know biology and uh, chemistry and uh, physics, uh, but like those are the kind of classes where when I walked in. On the first day, I immediately went to the back of the room. I'm like, I'm sitting back here because I'm yeah, I'm not really, I'm, I'm I don't really get a lot of this shit. The math and numbers never been my strong suit, so I'm just gonna wait and pray that I have other friends who are gonna walk <laughs> in that door, and then we're gonna be like the funny, silly guys because that's math and science was always like, I'm going to pass this class based on my charisma, not on <laughs> what I'm actually learning here. <laughs> I did at some point in college turn in either a problem set or a test where for one question, I just wrote an essay about how our professor didn't have a good grasp of uh, what people's well, people who knew this subject would be having trouble with it. And basically, I just complained about the quality of instruction. <laughs> And I got like half a point. Is that right? There you go. Yeah, See? Yeah. <laughs> oh, dude, yeah. I was like f- freshman year. What did I take? I think freshman year I had like biology. And I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm just not feeling any of this shit at all. But they'd like bust out like microscopes and whatnot. I'd be like, oh, this yeah. is cool. You know, we're literally like physically doing stuff. But as far as like learning about 
atoms and neutrons or I mean I don't even I I don't even remember okay. exactly okay. what I was cells like cell research cells for bi- biology you know? neutrons and shit for nu- physics probably. nucleus yeah, yeah. and nuclei those are both cells and, and atoms you know yeah. like I don't know bro like can't we just watch a movie can we watch weird science or some shit teacher can we do that instead I, I remember oh, I actually had I had a really good weird science teacher when I was <laughs> <laughs> When I was at school, and I think that's probably what sparked my interest in weird science. <laughs> that was always a tough class to get into. It just filled up so fast. Yeah. <laughs> well, he, he he was like one of those real genius teachers. That shows like my lack of interest in science. Not even the movie Real Genius could get me going on it. I was just like, eh. I mean, I guess if Val Kilmer's down with it, you know, sure. Who doesn't want a house full of popcorn? Who does? Who does it? <laughs> Still maintain the great movie up until the last quarter to a third, and then just. I can't remember why the popcorn house happens. Yeah, I should. Oh, I can. It. I can tell you why oh, that tell happens. Me why it happens yeah. If uh, spoiler I think... retroactive spoiler alert. <laughs> yeah, skip ahead half a minute, but uh, they discover towards the end of the film that 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 the, the professor is actually harnessing all the super geniuses. To create a military Defense. laser weapon, oh, and they change the coordinates. So instead, the the satellite military laser thing shoots the house. I think it's the professor's house that they filled with unpopped popcorn kernels. Okay, that then fills with popcorn, but doesn't burn the house down. Just no, just like okay. well, I mean, because they're, they're geniuses, <laughs> right? They're real geniuses, <laughs> real stable geniuses. Is there a weird science camp and a real genius camp? Because I think I'm in the weird science camp. Yeah, I think I am too. That's definitely a future installment. I don't know if you know, TJ Chambers and I just launched a podcast called Twinsies about twin films. Oh, yes, like I have. Yeah, I, so I, I do genius, know TJ, and, I, and, I, and I've, I've, I've seen you post I'm, about this. Oh, that's on, that's on the I, list. That's I'm on team episode. real genius. Except no for way. the third act. Except for the third, right. yeah. Interesting. I don't know if I've seen real genius since I was a kid, but I know I've probably seen weird science like in the last... Maybe if, I watched, years or so. maybe if I watched it again, I would enjoy the third act more. But, it, but really, I think it was just I watched it when I was young and I liked the bit where there were just clever people mucking about. Yeah. That's, that's <laughs> and the then the story gets serious towards the end. Like, you know, they're mucking about. There's a strange guy who lives underneath the cupboards. I remember that dude. Yeah. I like that uh, dude a lot. They use uh, dry ice to cheat the vending machine. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Did they made um, quarter-shaped dry ice things. Yeah. Or, so, yeah, that's awesome. And then... Uh, yeah, and then they, they make a ice rink in the hallway. Everything's good about that film. <laughs> that's cool. As a horny adolescent, I think making Kelly LeBrock beats all those things. I, mean, that's what I was going to say, like, my, my, in my head, I'm just like, I remember when Kelly LeBrock gets made and being like, this is the greatest movie yeah. I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> she and Sybil Shepard, probably my two biggest 80s crushes. Sybil Shepard? I don't know why. Yeah. Really? Love me some Moonlighting wow. Air Sybil Shepard. Wow. I, I'll, I'll say this, man. Uh, I'm a huge fan of Taxi Driver. And Sybil Sybil Shepherd is like stupid beautiful in that movie. Yeah, she's gorgeous. It's amazing. I always thought as like a ten year old, like I'll meet her someday and she'll <laughs> she'll understand the real me. She'll get me. Sybil Shepherd and I will have uh, a connection. Thought like a true ten yeah. year old. Yeah. One day yeah. I will meet that person and it is going to work out for us. <laughs> Whereas I thought as like as a fifteen year old, I was going to go to a special academy where <laughs> make dry ice quarters. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I found the story that I was looking for. Oh, I don't excellent. Know. Matt was so upset he couldn't find this story. I was so annoyed. It probably put our recording back about 10 minutes while I was searching <laughs> for this. I couldn't find it in our, our show notes or any of the emails that people have sent in with stories 
or even by searching for keywords, and I eventually tracked down the paper and then found the article. Uh, I don't, if, if one of our listeners sent in this story, then thank you for sending it in. I'm sorry I can't credit you. <laughs> but uh, a new method possibly to stop the rise of superbugs, antibiotic-resistant uh, bacteria, by making them fight for food. Um, mm-hmm. So I think, I, I, I think this is, and I, I think experts have stated this with more authority than me, that this is one of the things that can potentially end the world. Like it's, <laughs> oh, it's, yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely on the list of things that we really man-made things that we might that might kill us all. Uh, climate change being one of them, nuclear sure. war being one of them, but just our irresponsible use of antibiotics and bacteria resistance is way up there on the list. Absolutely, yeah, most definitely. Oh, it's so, so the. the is it like a royal rumble between the bugs to find out like what survives? Is that is that how these things? Well, is that how this would work? Well, yeah. So so what happens is, in general, the more there's going to be so many times where you bring up stories, I'm going to be like, explain it to me, like please, I'm an idiot. Please do. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, so in, in general, there's an arms race always going on between antibiotics and bacteria. So antibiotics are used, and in the presence of those antibiotics. Uh, certain bacteria will ha- carry mutations that will make them resistant to those bac- antibiotics. And then what happens is uh, the other bacteria will die off, so the ones that are resistant will thrive. So, sort of ironically, using bacteria, sorry, using antibiotics makes the bacteria more dangerous. Got you. Like, okay. in, in the long right. term. Yes. Um, I'm, I'm, I get this. Because you're okay. sort of giving the conditions that they fight against. Uh, so it, this article says, um, and and also we have huge problems of over-prescribing antibiotics, both for humans and in the agriculture industry. Uh, they just pump cows full of antibiotics because when when they're not even ill, because they realize it makes them grow better because they it stops illnesses from happening. But mm-hmm. what that means is we're just using thousands of times more antibiotics than we should be using. Sure, it's all out there in the world. Sure. Um, so, two years apparently after penicillin, the first antibiotic was mass-produced, bacteria that resisted it became widespread too. Uh, and it's unfolded for every new drug. Every time scientists identify a new substance that can hold back the tide of an infectious disease, resistant superbugs surge over that. Uh, the evolution of drug-resistant microbes is unavoidable, but it's not instantaneous, and one might reasonably wonder why. Microbes have been around for billions of years. They've had quite literally all the time in the world to invent every possible biochemical trick, including ways of diffusing antibiotics that they themselves use to kill and suppress others. I didn't know that was a thing they did. Um, So why aren't all microbes already resistant to all drugs? Uh, So Nina Whale from the University of Michigan says, the reason is that that resistance, like any superpower, comes at a cost. I'm not sure that analogy holds up, but okay, sure. (laughs) Uh, For example... Microbes could create pumps that flush out any killer drugs, but those pumps cost energy to build and maintain. Those costs mean that under normal conditions, resistant microbes grow more slowly than their susceptible peers and are almost always outcompeted. So, in other words, so you got you're looking so yeah. <laughs> You've got a clunky ass giant armor that makes you slow to fight or that, something. Yeah, that's a that's a great mm, that's okay. a great analogy. Yeah, if you've got two people who have to live their lives, one of them has like heavy armor their whole life on them their whole life. Okay. The other has no armor. 
if there isn't a war happening, the one with no armor is more likely to succeed in life, is more able to move around, find food, find uh, reproduce, that kind of thing. Yes. But if a war happens, then the one with armor on it suddenly has the advantage. So if you think about the addition of antibiotics as being like suddenly the arrival of war, ah. until, until the antibiotics show up, the ones that don't have these defenses actually thrive more because they're not carrying all this extra energy cost of whatever it, whatever mechanisms get rid of the antibiotics. Yes. But oh. once the antibiotics show up, suddenly all the unprotected ones die off and the protected ones thrive in their presence. So that's their in. That's what they're that's what they're using. <laughs> Whale, uh, Nina Whale is, and her team. Competition is the force that keeps resistance down in nature. Maybe we can harness that competition to keep them down before they ever get going. Uh, so she and her colleagues, led by Andrew Reed at Pennsylvania State, uh, have devised a way of preventing the evolution of drug-resistant micros by putting them at a competitive disadvantage even when antibiotics are around. So what they did is they studied mice with malarial infected with malarial parasites. Uh, when the team treated the mice with the drug uh, pyrimethamine, uh, resistant parasites emerged. But those parasites have a weakness. They're uniquely hungry for a substance called PABA, which they convert into folate, which is an essential nutrient. So normally, malarial parasites have other ways of making folates, but these alternatives are shut down by the same mutations that make the parasites resistant to the pyrimethamine. So in other words, they've identified what is specifically different about the resistant ones and what it is that they need, basically, to maintain their armor. Okay. Uh, so when the parasites evolve to resist the drugs, they become uniquely dependent on PABA to make this folate. So when Whale deprived them of the PABA, she not only delayed the emergence of the resistance parasites, but completely prevented it. I was bowled over, she said. I plotted the data, and I was sitting on my bed shaking slightly. Mm. <laughs> Although that might have been the malaria. I don't... <laughs> So it's not it's not that the lack of the PABA starves the resistance parasites outright. Instead, it makes them less competitive than the susceptible ones. When Whale infected the mice only with the resistant parasites, they still became sick. But whenever she invested, infected them with both resistant and the susceptible ones, the latter always took over, allowing the pyrimethamine to do its job. So in other words, what you're doing is you're creating conditions that make that help the armor-free parasites thrive mm. and the armored ones die off uh and then you suddenly bring in the war ah. suddenly you bring in the antibiotics hmm. and it kills off and all the ones that have been thriving are the antibiotic are the ones that aren't resistant that don't have the defenses to the antibiotics okay it's a fucking slaughter <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah it's it's like you sort of gone into a community about a generation earlier and gone like hey armor looks dumb uh, you know what? Well, you know what's really cool: folk dancing and and banjo playing, and that's really like you really want to learn folk instruments if you want to get laid. So that's like get good at folk and get good at weaving, like we like the best woven clothes rather than that metal stuff that you're wearing. Just exfoliate, Spend all your free yeah. time exfoliate, exfoliate, yeah. clean, get some loofahs, yeah. yeah. <laughs> And then, and then once, once all the sort of armored ones have basically been pushed down, and the 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 cloth ones are thriving, then you're like, bring in the war! <laughs> Just a sucker punch to these microorganisms. Oh. Yeah, it's a it's you know early days of this technique, but I have a question. Yes. So is this a good thing or a bad thing? 
<laughs> I think this is potentially a very this good, is a good thing. thing. Okay. I mean, if, if we're right. saying that the thing that it's preventing is a possible end of of uh, of humanity, then yeah. Okay. So Heather I mean, Hendrick. Yeah, no, no, I was going to say, I, I support preventing, <laughs> preventing the, end the end of humanity, of humanity 100%. There's right. yeah. a way we can not all die. Yeah. <laughs> so, Heather Hendrickson from Massey University says it's promising, uh, it's clearly very effective in this particular setup involving mice and malaria. Whether it would work for other superbugs, including bacteria like Staph or E. coli, is a matter of detail. It will really rely on the strength of competition between the resistance and susceptible versions, and the degree to which we can tip the scale in favor of the drug-susceptible ones. Of course, it's possible the micros will evolve to resist the resource limiters too, but Whale thinks that's unlikely. Usually, microbes evolve to resist drugs by getting rid of them, neutralizing them, or changing the molecules they're designed to attack. But these solutions wouldn't work against not being given something. Um, if approach pans out, it might give us more options for controlling infectious diseases beyond just developing more antibiotics. That task has become increasingly difficult. Only a few new antibiotics are in development, and no major new types have emerged for decades. Yeah, that's that's the thing. That's the trend. That's scary. Is uh, if we run out of new ones to introduce, then we might be approaching one of those scenarios that's really bad for humanity. Yeah. So yeah, it, just a completely. This is definitely something worth exploring. A completely different technique. A completely new way of dealing with this problem. Sure. Oh. And who sent that in again, or was that not sent by listeners? I don't know. If okay. if one of our listeners sent that in, then thank you, and I apologize for not being able to attribute it properly. I Yeah, I remember reading that article, and I can't remember who sent it. Are you guys sure I'm the right guy for this podcast? <laughs> <laughs> you have said so many words there that I haven't heard probably since I was in school. <laughs> I was just like, yeah, I, I, I did understand about, the right? big picture, but the work that was happening in my brain to keep up yeah. was, uh, I want to do a CAT scan of my brain after this <laughs> to see what the mental activity is that's happening. <laughs> I know what I was looking for. Julian Alberto sent in a story um, that I'd also heard about that tickles me as a as a fan of, um, or whatever the opposite of a fan is of of dumb health crazes. I saw an article about this the other day and I couldn't believe that a thing called raw water is becoming really popular. Have you guys heard about this raw water? <laughs> yeah, Julian definitely sent oh. this in. I think one or two other people did too. Um, God, it's um, it's, as, it's as dumb as you think it is. The latest health craze and it's a thing that, you know, theoretically could kill you. I'm not saying that it definitely were, but um, so yeah, if if you want to drink water that hasn't been processed in any way, mm -hmm. uh, according to the Washington Post article, hold your canteen under a natural spring and you'll come away with crystal clear water, potentially brimming with beneficial bacteria as well as minerals from Earth. Hmm. That's what proponents of the raw water movement are banking on, selling people on the idea of drinking water that contains the things they say nature intended without the chemicals such as chlorine often used in urban water treatment processes. Naturally probiotic, perfected by nature, boasts live water or live water, I don't know, uh, which sells raw water sourced from Oregon's Opal Spring. But by shunning recommended water safety practices, experts warn, raw water purveyors may also be selling you things you don't want to drink. Dangerous bacteria, viruses, and parasites that can make you sick. Like, shit that we've fixed, you know? Yeah. yeah. We have... Ugh. Uh I just yeah. picture someone who hates who hates the, the word chemicals. Like this has chemicals in it. Like everything's a fucking chemical. Do you know what that word means? Yeah. Water is literally water yeah. is a chemical. Uh. Pure untreated H2O. And that's full of more chemicals than treated water. Um, the sickest I've ever gotten in my life was uh my mom is from Colombia in South America. Mm -hmm. And I went we went there when I was like in sixth grade 
And I didn't know this at the time. I mean, I grew up in America. You just go to the faucet, you put your glass under the water, you fucking fill it with water, and you drink it. Right. So I did that in Columbia. And they were like, no! <laughs> and two days later, it was like, I assumed the equivalent of like food poisoning. Where I was just shitting and puking yeah. and sweating for like three days straight. Uh, just awful. But yep. here, like, I feel like... California kind of gets like a rep for like our water quality here as far as like I feel like everybody has a what are those things like a, a water a filter Brita. A, a Brita filter here yeah. yeah and in Chicago I was just like fucking boom right out the glass it's I drink, or right out the faucet I should say I drink right out of the tap I was at, I drink out of the tap here now I, I, drink, just, I drank out of a drinking fountain at the pool and someone else on my swim team was like oh my god I'm like you're, you're, you don't think you're getting like weirder shit in your mouth during practice? <laughs> than what yeah, I'm, right, right. When you're submerged in it for yeah. an hour and a half solid. <laughs> With seven other people, maybe? Some years ago, we uh, we were at, went to Malaysia, a group of student friend, college friends of mine, and we had, I think it was like three days, a tour, like a trek through the jungle with the tour guide. And we would... We'd collect water from the streams, but then we'd boil it before we drank it. Or we had, like, purifying tablets, or, or we'd boil it on a little camping stove. Mm-hmm. And he's like, yeah, you need to boil the water because you're not from here. I'm fu- I can drink it because I'm from here, but you should always boil it. Mm. So he was just drinking it straight up. And then he had the shits for two days. <laughs> <laughs> perfect, perfect. God. Uh, so the actual article that Julian sent in about this says that, um, yeah, raw water, latest bizarre health craze people are willing to pay a pretty penny to get their hands on. A December article in the New York Times brought the trend of drinking unfiltered, untreated, unsterilized spring water into the national consciousness. In San Francisco, the co-op Rainbow Grocery was selling two and a half gallons of the stuff bottled by the aforementioned uh, startup Live Water for $37. $36.99 for two and a half gallons of Live or Live Water. Um, <laughs> since the report, Live Water has increased the price. <laughs> According to what the co-op told Business Insider, the bottled water... Now costs thirty eight forty nine. Refills go for sixteen forty nine. Um, I'd rather have the shits for two days than pay thirty eight dollars for two gallons of water. For our metric friends, by the way, two and a half gallons is just shy of ten liters. <laughs> so we're talking it's nine and a half liters. Four bucks a liter, basically. That's insane. That's crazy. Um, yeah, crazy. Um, <laughs> yeah, although the trend has its proponents, mainly those leery of fluoride and contamination from lead or other issues, experts have come out strongly against the idea. Whenever water isn't treated, it can contain chemicals and germs that can make us sick or cause disease outbreaks. Vince Hill, chief of the CDC's Waterborne Disease Prevention Branch, told Time Magazine, uh, anything you think of can be an untreated water. <laughs> Said, <laughs> mentioning agricultural runoff, naturally occurring chemicals, bacteria, and viruses. I just love the pseudoscience of people who are, are against it. Like in the Washington Post article, let me see how they... Yeah, while you're finding that, I'll also read this quote from Bill Marler, who's a food safety advocate and attorney. Uh, he says, uh, almost everything conceivable that can make you sick can be found in untreated water. Uh, the diseases that killed our great-grandparents were completely forgotten about. Uh, it's fine to treat untreated wa- to drink untreated water until some 10-year-old girl dies a horrible death from cholera in Montecito, <laughs> California. Mm-hmm. It's, it's called raw water? Raw water. Raw it's, water. Well, generically, and then one of the brands is this live water thing. If nobody trademarks, uh, ooh, baby, I like it, raw water, <laughs> uh, this, is, this is all for naught. Or if nobody just calls it old, dirty, raw water, I mean, guys, I'm giving you free money out there. All you people who are looking to cash in on this. 
Yeah. Make it happen, it's, yo. Because then I'll buy it. Um, you make some shit Wu-Tang associated. Uh, make 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 Wu water. If we could make that shit Wu water, I'm in 100%, dog. <laughs> I want to read you some of the pseudoscience. Oh, well, you're finding it. Yeah. McCandy Singh, who's the founder of Live Water, whose marketing materials apparently feature him cross-legged and naked at a hot spring. <laughs> so the goal, goal is not pristine water. You're gonna, you're going to get 99% of the bad stuff out if you use a filter, but now you have dead water. According dead to him, water. dead water. <laughs> According to him, real water has an expiration date. It stays most fresh within one lunar cycle of delivery. One mm. lunar cycle. Fuck everything in the world. <laughs> if, Jesus Christ. Or month, as it's otherwise known. Oh. If, it, if it sits around too long, it'll turn green. People don't even realize it's because all, all their water's dead, so they never see it turn green. <laughs> he also believes public water has been poisoned. Tap water, you're drinking toilet water with birth control drugs in them. Ooh. Chloramine, and on top of that, they're putting on fluoride. Call me a... <laughs> uh, fluoride. Call me a conspiracy theory, but it's a mind-control drug that has no benefit to our dental health. Yeah, All right, I, yep. I, I, get, you're a conspiracy theory. I will, I will you, go ahead and call you that. I've, I've heard that specific <laughs> theory in the, in the conspiracy theory, in the movie conspiracy theory. Yeah. That's what like Mel Gibson is yelling about to, to Julia Roberts in the backseat. Like, they put fluoride in the water. The, the phrase... Uh, I was like, absolutely. And yes, they do. Strange love. Yeah, that's yeah. almost the perfect response, yeah. like, second half to the sentence, call me a conspiracy theory. Like, that's it. <laughs> but here is a thing that yeah, makes here me is, exactly... <laughs> here is the platonic ideal of conspiracy theory. Yeah. It's like... Call me a racist, exactly. but I think black people are inferior to white yeah. and should be kept separately. <laughs> he did tell us we could call him that, so he, yeah. he gave us a little spoiler, so that's nice of him. Call me inconsiderate, but I only do things myself. <laughs> uh, so here's one of the great pseudoscience quotes. This entrepreneur who founded the now-defunct juicing company Juicero said when he can't get his own water, he buys it from Live Water. And he says that all other bottled, filtered tap and even spring waters are sterilized with ozone gas, irradiated with UV light and passed through a submicron filter. And that, quote, blasting water with ozone changes its molecular structure. I like Sorry, flavored I water. What's that flavored <laughs> propel? I'm a, I drink the shit out of that at work. It tastes like kiwi. It's like, it's like water. <laughs> it's, I mean, I'm sure it's not good for you. But it's like kiwi strawberry uh, or like cherry raspberry. Have you guys ever had that? Uh, I don't think so. Oh, Wait, what's it's it called again? Propel. <laughs> no, no, no. I get I think made, I've seen ads I get made fun of work so much at it. And I'm, it's the only reason it's brought into the office. I'm not down with LaCroix. I don't want to hear LaCroix, LaCroix, whatever that, whatever people yeah, call yeah, it. Apparently it's pronounced LaCroix. Yeah. <laughs> they they learned just LaCroix. So yeah, um, if you ask a chemist, they'll say ozone gas is used to remove bacteria and other things from water and that the ozonized contaminants are strained out, leaving clean water. They also say that ozone does not change the molecular structure of water, as live water claims. If it did, the liquid would no longer be considered water. <laughs> like, there is a chemical definition of <laughs> what water is. And uh, yeah, springs are great and all, but you don't know what might have happened near those springs um like whether herds of elk or moose or caribou totally natural things have relieved themselves in a stream you're drinking from and left it full of parasites or whether there's been groundwater contamination from naturally occurring elements such as arsenic radon or uranium totally natural things that will kill you yeah or from pesticides or other chemicals like, and as has been mentioned beforehand in this article like cholera is natural Cholera is a completely is naturally occurring thing. It's not yeah. cholera is not something that the government puts into the water. 
uh, cholera is something that it took quite a long time for clever scientists to work out how to avoid. <laughs> it's a wonderful uh, In the Time of Cholera. It's a great book by Gabriel Garcia Marquez. Uh, you know, it's one of those things. I think it was on like a high school reading list. I never have. I mean, he's Colombian. I'm Colombian. I have yet to read the book. Oh, okay. I just feel legally, as a Colombian, I'm supposed to say that. And 100, 100 Years of Solitude is on my list, too. Someday. You is met, that him also or not? That, that is him, yes. I've tried reading that, and that's one of those books where like it jumps in time and like oh. doesn't make you aware that it's jumping in time. Like You really... I've tried reading that book like six times, and I'm always like, man, I am so lost right now. I don't know who Marjorie is or... Oh. Yeah, it's but, hard to go back as an adult and do like things that would have been tasks to read earlier. Yes. <laughs> yeah, like I never read Catcher in the Rye, and people well, now are like... that's a fast read. You people can, like don't even bother with it if you didn't yeah, read it back then. It wouldn't be very meaningful to you now. Yeah, it's also yeah exactly. Pretty, that's, that's what I hear. Pretty short. So. But also, uh, shout out to Jon Snow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, not not the Game of Thrones Jon Snow. The oh, cancel that because that's where my brain went. Yeah, nineteenth century epidemiologist Jon Snow, who is the one who oh. discovered who is the one who discovered who discovered the cause of the cholera outbreak in central London in Soho. I didn't know there was another Jon Snow. It was a. Uh, I actually I didn't realize it was that many people. Six hundred and sixteen people were killed by this cholera outbreak. Wow. Um, and he eventually tracked it down to an infected water pump and what he did was he removed the handle from that pump Boom. good work good uh, work yo. he good removed work. the handle he removed the handle from that pump and people stopped dying and he proved that that was the cause of the cholera <laughs> uh and I'm picturing it, him like trudging up through like a snow-covered mountain to, to get to this handle and <laughs> covered in this homemade fur <laughs> oh no it's because he he would have had that family name, that surname, because back in the day, his family would have been snowmakers. Okay. Mm. <laughs> so yeah, profession-based. Yeah, you know, like it's yeah. Andy Wood, you probably had a carpenter who was your great-great-great-great-grandfather. Yeah. They, they made snow <laughs> yeah. for the ski hills of the day. Yeah. When, they, when you have a season when there wasn't enough for the average ski resort. Yeah. So just to clarify, though... I shouldn't be drinking water out of a stream, right? I don't think you should bottle water from a stream. Yeah. And uh, and you also shouldn't pay $40 for something someone no, else to bottle out of a stream without treating it all. Yeah, yeah. yeah you I should. Mean, yeah, if, like, I think they pretty much, if you go to any camping supply store or any outdoor experts, they take, yeah, by all means, you collect water from the stream, but boil it or drop an some, iodine tablet in yeah, there. Yeah. <laughs> chemicals, man. <laughs> chemicals. Does it does boiling it then kill the live nature of it and right. therefore render it useless? God. I love that water should have an expiration date. It's <laughs> one of the dumbest things I've ever heard. The few times I've been in streams and it, like that I do have like that thing in my head that's like just make sure that we're not swallowing any of this water that yeah. is like getting close cuz it just It's possible the stream you're in has totally clean water. Yeah, it's yeah. impossible. You just don't know. Yeah, like, it, yeah, yeah, it's it's not like if I'm like at the beach or like at the ocean or something where like always I swallow, drink ocean water I'm yeah. just like oh well whoopsie daisy I'll be fine <laughs> I actually have uh, ocean water imported I have, <laughs> I have a guy who who drives down to Venice every morning and oh, brings me back like my water Atlantic. I like Atlantic water it tastes oh like, really like, okay yeah I guess it's a taste you know what it is because I grew up on the other side of the Atlantic yeah. and so I, it's just like why come to America if you're not going to drink Pacific water okay you're right you know, I could get Atlantic water at home. That's true. That's true. <laughs> I just like you. I just like Atlantic water for its no nonsense. To call it like it sees it attitude. <laughs> right. you know, that East Coast water. Water out here is soft. Water here's got a little soft, in my opinion. What do I know? Which, if you think about it, that water has had to trek 
across the whole of America. Yeah, why do yeah. we why do we demonize the water that made it all the way over here? Yeah, like, tell you who the soft water is. It's the one that water. just stopped in the first yeah. place it like, landed. Like, somebody should do a stand up joke about that very subject. <laughs> if only somebody <laughs> find a way to mine that for stage. Uh, do you have another story for us, Matt? Uh, uh, do you want? Arsonist falcons or discouraging sea eagles with lasers? Lasers and arsonists are both uh, yeah. equally good. Again, I don't, don't remember who sent in the arsonist falcon story, um, but I, we can do both together because they're two cool bird stories. A trial of laser beams to scare sea eagles from lambs. Shining laser beams onto hillsides. By the way, this story does start off out great. It is marginally less cool than you think. Okay. (laughs) They're not actually shooting the birds with the lasers. They're firing the lasers at the hillside to discourage them. Mm. But shining laser beams onto the hillsides could be used as a method of scaring white-tailed sea eagles away from flocks of sheep. The technology is to be trialed in Argyle, an area where crofters and farmers have had issues with the raptors preying on lambs. Crofters, you're going to have to back us up on that, I think. Is that a word you know? I don't know crofters, no. I I think a crofter is... Seals and croft? Right, (laughs) I know that. (laughs) It's some kind of farming uh, type of farmer. What's the specific... Here we go. Crofting is a form of land tenure and small-scale food production, particular to the Scottish Highlands. Oh. Uh, their own brand of Scottish farming. The, So, yeah, basically, uh, within the 19th century townships, individual crofts are established on the better land, and a large area of poorer quality hill ground is shared by all the crofters of the township for the grazing of their livestock. It's probably relatively similar to homesteaders in America. Okay. Uh, it's a traditional s- social system in Scotland defined by small-scale food production. Crofting is characterized by its common wa- working communities or townships. Individual crofts are typically established on two to five hectares, which is five to twelve and a half acres of in-by for better quality. Yeah, basically a crofter has... You've got your own bit of land that's just you, and then you share common ground between all of you. Okay. Um, uh, guys, I think it still has to do with seals and crofts. Yeah. <laughs> the the bit of that sentence, I didn't think that would be the bit of the sentence that really stuck out to you. The bit that really surprised me is that eagles, are, sea eagles, are big enough to take away a lamb. <laughs> yeah, right. Wait, what? No, that's like a Simpsons uh, visual joke. They right? sweep down, yeah. swoop down, and just grab. I don't know one if it's go. actually to take it away, uh, but certainly to attack it and pester them. Okay, pest. Yeah, I can pester things that I can't pick up. I'm definitely capable of that. Yeah, like a lot of ladies, right? right? Ah. <laughs> um. So. Uh, Lasers, which will be shot onto the hills and not directly at birds, are amongst potential new ways of deterring sea eagles from stocks of sheep being considered by Scottish natural heritage. Farmer and stakeholder group chairman David Coulthart told BBC Radio Scotland's John Beattie programme that not all sea eagles are a problem. Hashtag uh, not all sea eagles. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> However, he said some juvenile birds did prey on lambs, so it's, it's the youth. Really <laughs> I think... Yuck. Yeah, rather than discouraging them with lasers, why don't we put on like some activities for them? Have a youth club. <laughs> give us some things to do. Have a. Just like, want to play some floor hockey. Just give, them yeah. to yeah. get give them a rec room. Yeah. Have a club so they can you know have a bit of sense of responsibility yeah. and collective <laughs> uh, attitude. Do they have any uh, like like video of like seeing the lasers shot into? There, uh, there is not on the this article. Oh. Mm. Sometimes I get disappointed that lasers 
aren't like like yeah, aren't I know, like I know aren't like aren't like lasers, you know? That you can't see them in exactly. the air unless there's something unless there's a contaminant in the air to reflect it, 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 the light. Right? Exactly. Star yeah. Wars. You should see the beam moving. It, it, it shouldn't move at the speed of light. It should move at a no. noticeable. Yeah, speed. I want to be able to see it. I want to be able to see like if somebody shoots three lasers, I want to see, see like a separation between a, them. 100%, 100%. Can we get on that? Can we change the lasers on to make them Star Wars? I love the laser like you do see in the labs where it is just kind of like short like going into a wall and like or like into it'll have some kind of smoky thing to make it visible big fan of that but like these kind of non-existent laser lasers yeah it's just a dot of chats the cat's gonna chase disappointed in those I actually have more respect for that laser right there. Okay. For the cat laser. <laughs> cat laser in your hierarchy of lasers. That's Absolutely. There, there is, it's a while ago, but there have been various stories of scientists working with, material scientists and laser scientists working to cre- find masks and mediums through which they can slow so much that you can actually see the physical progression of it. Yes. To what, to what end? Just coolness? I don't know. Probably so you can then study it. Okay. Because um, the speed of light in a vacuum is an absolute, but once it goes through various materials, it slows down. And in most cases, that's still not by much. Like, it goes slower through glass, for example. Okay. Um, that's why it gets refracted. What about through... Man, I can't believe I'm asking a question that I think is a real question. What about, like, through water or something? Oh, yeah, again, absolutely. Yes. See that, Mr. White? Mr. Arnhem? I was paying attention, dogs. <laughs> Uh, I'm bringing back dog in 2018. <laughs> I don't know if you guys could tell that. Away, did it? Did dog ever go? Away? I, I have it. I've it, it. It was with us, and then it became an ironic thing, and then we were making fun of people who would use yeah. it, and then I feel like it's gone away. How now I'm trying to bring it back. How important was Randy Jackson to the progression and cultural impact? Of oh, dog? when he was doing it, I was like, "Bruh, stop. Yeah. We're good. <laughs> stop." Much. And now I see that commercial with him now, where he's like, ironically, the guy goes, yeah, yeah, and I'm like, Mm-mm, nah, dude, yeah. I'm bringing, I'm, I'm saying it the right way. By the way, who who writes the Geico ads? Because like I know lots of comedians looking for work. You know? <laughs> I'm just saying, like, there are some sure. funny ass people in this town. Yeah, sitting on their sitting, sitting on their, their laurels, thumbs up their asses, and <laughs> Geico is making ads about Randy Jackson judging dog shows. Mm-hmm. Uh, sorry, I think I cut you off, Matt. Were you explaining? Uh, how the no, yeah, it's a, it's a, we, that's a story from a couple of years ago. We can go back to, um, yeah. Uh, so, the, what happens if these? Uh, I don't quite get how the lasers are. These birds will will come down, or these birds theoretically are are are, are coming down. But these lasers, would they feel the lasers if they go down low enough? And that's what will. Make them not, or they see in the like dot. Is it is it like the cat thing where they're seeing a dot on the hillside? Yeah. Or is and, it, uh, do they have a visual thing that we can't see that they're just able to tell right away? Like, oh no, if we go down there, that's bad for us. Uh, I don't know. It's actually a relatively indistinct story. Let me see if there's a there's more information than the thing it's linked to. Um, I'm glad it's not cruel because I was like at first I was like, oh man, we're shooting lasers. It that's I'm, I'm, not, yeah, I'm not down with that. Picturing like something exploding in a puff of feathers. And, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I don't support that. Like those, uh, you know that you were driven to Vegas and you've seen that um, glowing tower in the in the desert. Like I think it's on the Nevada side. It's between here and Vegas. You see it. I've, I've driven to Vegas. I I have not noticed that. The one thing I always notice when I'm driving back from Vegas here is whatever that big land is that has like just rows of solar panels. Yeah, there's uh, that. But this is a row of mirrors. 
you haven't seen that though. Maybe that's what it is, it's and I think there's solar panels. It's a row of mirrors directing all the light at those towers, which then are so bright you can't really look right at them, and they're oh. crazy hot. And those are that's a power plant where that then heats up water, and then the steam's used to turn. Really? Yeah, yeah. So oh, I like that. That uh, it theoretically is a really great, uh, you know, eco-friendly source of power, but it, it's been kind of a failure. I guess it hasn't returned as much as they'd want it to. And every day when they start it up, they have to use a fair amount of fossil fuels to like get it going. And there are environmental groups that don't like that. It's, it's affected these, uh, I guess they're like desert turtle habitats. It's fucked with, oh. but also uh, shit tons of birds just happen to fly too close. Oh and no. Instantly blow up oh, it's so fucking no. hot. Yeah. They have a euphemistic term for it. I'll look it up. But um, yeah, if you stick around for an hour, you'll see four or five. Oh, birds that's awful. As they, <laughs> it's just insanely hot. Oh, I guess we're not totally clear on how the lasers are deterring the eagles. They're I think just, they're just uh, shooting patterns onto the hillside that worry them a bit. These are anti <laughs> anti rave seagulls. Yeah, as opposed to cats that love. <laughs> it's like we got rid of the eagles, but we have attracted a lot of cats. <laughs> just a pilgrimage. <laughs> just like patting the hillside, trying to yeah. chase it. Ivan Pa. Ivan Pa is the name of the power plant out there in the desert and actually i remember we we were debating talking about this on how to build everything on the on the science channel when matt and i wrote for that i suggested it and then i did some more research and found out that like it's kind of a thing that like google put in a bunch of money to make it happen but it's kind of a thing that everyone has downplayed pr wise because again it hasn't been Mm. a huge success and it is problematic uh, federal biologists say that 6,000 birds die from collisions or immolation annually <laughs> while chasing oh. flying, flying insects around the facility's three forty-story towers, which catch sunlight from five square miles of garage door-sized mirrors to drive the plant's power-producing turbines. Oh, that's awful. I don't like that. Yeah. Um... There's been cases as well of certain buildings. Remember there was a building, I think it was in New York, maybe it was here, that was... They had to both... They had to change the surface of the oh, yeah. windows the and also Disney, slightly reangle them. The Disney, the Disney the, concert hall was one of them. Yeah, because it had and, like an inadvertent death ray. Yeah, that curvy building designed by Frank Gehry. There was a section here in a, certain, here in LA. Uh, yeah, oh yeah, yeah. Time, certain time of year on a, at a certain time of day at a certain place in the sidewalk, if you stood there, you'd get your skin would get burned. Because really? There was a section of the building that was perfectly angled. So it was just focusing. I think actually the Disney one also there was it was the building opposite. It was just heating that building. Oh okay. Huh. Yeah, Disney concert hall is that what's called? Now see that. I'm kind of down with actually. Right? <laughs> yeah, that it's like it's a little adventure in downtown. And then they had to just like change the finish of it, like make it brushed steel instead of bright, so it wouldn't reflect as much. Wow, a laser building so in we're downtown talk- LA. Talking about fire, and I want to try and find an article that um, that this because this is a premium article on New Scientist, and I can't find a. Oh, uh, I hate those. Yeah, see if you can find another version of this story while I'm doing the beginning of this, but. Arsonist falcons suggest birds discovered fire before humans did. And again, I can't remember who sent in the story. Sorry. But some birds of prey have learned to control fire, a skill previously thought to be unique to humans. The birds appear to deliberately spread wildfires in order to flush out prey. The findings suggest that birds may have beaten humans to the use of fire. There are many anecdotes about Australian birds of prey using fire, according to ornithologist Bob Gosford of the Central Land Council in Alice Springs. Um, most come from Aboriginal rangers who manage natural fires in North Australian tropics called Savannah, which straddles Queensland, the Northern Territory, and Western Australia. It's a big area. 
the three bird species mentioned are black kites, whistling kites, and brown falcons. The claim is that they would pick up burning twigs from existing fires and drop them elsewhere to start new blazes, which would flush out prey hidden in the brush. Hell yeah. I support that 100%. (laughs) That sounds awesome. (laughs) Unfortunately, I'm not finding any articles besides ones that link back to new scientists. Might just have to pony up and pay for some new scientist action Hmm. for the show. We probably Break should. that off as an expense for the show. <laughs> it's probably worthwhile. I think that's probably worthwhile. You know, we've got some donations to... That's true. What what better way to put those donations to use than that? And should we thank those donors right now? I think we should. I don't have that handy right now. <laughs> sure, I have I have uh, a list I can skim through right now. Yeah, uh, if you go to probablyscience.com, powered by Squarespace, you can click on Donate and help us keep the lights on here. We always appreciate it. Zvonimir Kroons does that with a generous monthly donation. As does uh, oh Paul Ryan sent us a one-off. I hope it's that Paul Ryan. <laughs> I have no idea. Thank you for that donation. <laughs> Paul uh, Stewart Holding has a monthly donation set up, as well as uh, longtime Just- story sender inner Justin Broad. Uh, Linda Moulton, a very generous, I think our most generous monthly donation. Definitely is. Justin's is very generous as well. Justin is very generous, but yeah, Linda is definitely our most generous donor because it's also, it's it's a monthly donation of an amount that if it was a one-off, we would still be very happy with. So thank Uh, you very much, Linda. Shout out to Linda. That's what's up. Karen Meeburn, James Casson. I think we had one more this week. Uh, David Geelan with a generous one-off donation. Right, look at Thank that you, all of you. You can go to the Squarespace Power, probably science.com and send in that donation or set up a monthly donation. Uh, if you're not able to donate, the other way you can really help us out is by spreading the word, tweeting, Facebooking, all of that kind of good stuff, letting people know about us. Uh, that really does help. Write nice things about us on iTunes as well or on your podcast listening app of choice. Giving us ratings, that kind of thing, really does help. I think Justin sent in a cool story about the mathematics of car parking. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> that I, I wouldn't mind doing. Isn't it just three points? I thought it was three points. <laughs> oh, boom, boom, Three boom. points and you're in. That's, yeah, that's, I've, I, I've and, stuck to that and it's worked to this day. And then also line up, maybe you guys don't do this, but when you parallel park, do you start by lining up exactly with the car in front? Uh, well, yeah, I try and keep like my, my side mirror like slightly ahead of the side mirror of the car that is already parked there. That's how I was taught. Oh, okay. okay. I don't know, and I don't know if I was taught that specifically in school or if that's like a combination of like my school teaching and like my dad oh, my dad uh, teaching what was the second bit of advice you go uh like let's say like you know the i'm gonna park be i'm gonna park behind this car right here yeah so i would pull and this is their side mirror i would make sure that my side mirror is just slightly ahead of theirs when you start turning when it when it yeah uh no like like that's just Until where that point you're, you're i pull up to up. Yeah. yes yeah i don't just equally line up just a little slightly a little slightly ahead of that. Okay. And then I work my way back. And as soon as you start going backwards, you're already turning your wheel a little yeah, bit? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Absolutely, yeah. So, are you... No, I was going to ask you where you're from. No, but I, I know where you're from. I lived in San Francisco, and I feel okay. like in those days, I got really good at getting it. Like, I'd see a spot, and I'm like, this is a challenge. Yeah, but and I'm going to get it. There's times I've taken a picture after... Is that right? Good on you. I'm like, that's, I think, three inches on each bump. <laughs> I got into that. In Chicago... After 15 points of... Uh, in Chicago, you have to. Well, you don't have to. You will just, after years of driving there, you will become good at parallel yeah. parking. You know, especially like with the weather change and like in the snow, like oh, you just have to learn how to. You have to learn how to do that. When I see people try and parallel, but this is so hacky that we're talking no, 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 about no, no, parallel no, no, parking no, no, in LA. Never. But when I see people in LA parallel park and it takes them like 
five minutes or like they pull up to the car and you can just tell they're like sitting there thinking about it i'm like <laughs> what are you doing dog pull up boom turn that shit back make sure there's nobody to your left or your right and get in there just get in there i love, yeah. I love seeing someone give up on parallel parking oh, <laughs> dude, so there, i've never done it but there have been times where i've been like ricky just be a nice guy and help them out but i'm also <laughs> yeah. like nah man oh, come on. Saying, i've never done it but there's been times that i've thought about giving up on yeah. trying to get into no space. hell no nah, dude I, watching. I figured it out i actually i've bought uh i have like a smaller car now just to make it even easier to park here because it's like, oh, yeah. So that's good. That is going to be a skill that's going to disappear soon. Because even cars that don't have full automatic, or like autopilot, where some cars basically that... pretty much drive themselves. We were talking yeah. about this on the Jim Jeffries episode a few weeks ago, where his his Tesla will basically drive itself for a while without you touching the wheel. But and uh, then it punishes him if he actually takes it too far. Is that right? That's yeah, funny. He was telling the story on the show about how he he ignored all the warnings to put his hand back on the wheel. Which, which get increasingly urgent and increasingly loud and then eventually it just pulled his car over to the side like started braking and pulled his car over and then he went alright fine I'll start driving again but then it just shut off his autopilot for the rest of the trip it's wow. like right you don't get autopilot for a day now wow <laughs> I kind of like that scolding yeah. it does um, but this is more about uh, <laughs> but, but, but parallel parking increasingly it will be a thing where you just line up next to the space press a button and mm-hmm. then it just does the parking for you perfectly do you guys do you guys trust autopilot driving yeah do you really i really do Why? i think i i know i've i had this conversation uh with our mutual friend kevin avery the still the one remaining jim jeffrey show writer we haven't got on the show right, yet right. <laughs> it'll happen soon um but Kevin really doesn't trust he thinks he doesn't like not having the control he thinks he can anticipate problems better than the AI and I, I'm adamant that you can't you think you can for I think I agree AI with Kevin will, AI will yeah I do yeah I, do, I, I, current, I think this is technology but you say you don't think that there's going to be a time I think in the next 10 years AI will AI will yes I, I, the, the, the the, the problem I have with it is that it seems so first generation still. Right. The, yeah. The autopilot of it that I'm just like, no. But, and even if my driving is flawed, I still trust. I don't like giving that much control over to the I get the that feeling. Yet. It's going to be a hard thing to get over that because we grew up in the generation where you don't do that. I think the yes. generation after us will, it'll be second nature. Mm-hmm. I agree. But um, Kev- Kevin's argument was that he can anticipate things on the road by looking at people's behavior that that the computer will miss. Like, he, he'll see someone driving in a certain way and be able to think, this person is probably going to make a dangerous... Manu- is going to cut across me in a second okay. dangerously. And I think maybe right now that is the case. He'll be better at it than the public, but I... Th- sorry, than the computer. But I think very soon AI will be better than humans. Because AI is already better than humans at anticipating certain things like that. And it's, like seeing, it's, it's, and it's seeing, like, a few cars ahead of the car in front of you yeah. somehow. Like, there's sure. been stories yeah. about AIs that have been programmed to look for, for example, people walking suspiciously through airports. Or, like, it, and AIs are better than humans at detecting the type of nervousness that means they're hiding something. And okay. Things, like, things like that, where, yeah. with machine learning, if it's trained on enough different scenarios, the AI, I think, will actually be better and quicker than humans at detecting when some a car is about to do something unusual and dangerous but you don't know, I, I, I i i support and i agree with that a hundred percent but there's no little thing in your brain that still is like eh, but it's a machine 
It doesn't it, know the possibility of human error. And oh, I know I, no, it's been trained I, I so totally, much I, to... I totally get that. And, and there will be problems and there will be mistakes. But also... And this is the other thing. And this is something we talked about a while back on the show. There will be times that these computer programs will fuck up or miss something or just be or just get something completely wrong and do something that will cause injury or even death. Yeah. And that will be a big story and it'll be a horrible thing. But it will still happen in such a smaller percentage of the time than human error and human mistakes. And and so when it happens, particularly the first few times, people will be horrified by it because it's basically a computer going wrong and killing a person. Mm -hmm. But when you go like, okay, one in... A hundred thousand of these car computers go wrong and kill someone, rather than one in ten thousand yeah. humans. Yes, you, it's, it's collateral a, damage. No, it, it's sort of it's. It's not even that. It's just like it's easier for us to people, be okay with people fucking up and killing people because we can be like, well, then I can prevent that by not being one of the fuck ups. Where really yes. it's just a numbers game. And people yes. are very bad at understanding the concept of relative risk. Yeah, we're mm-hmm. not programmed for that. It's this. It's a. It's a similar problem with um, vaccines. Like vaccines do. Vaccines do kill people. Vaccines, like, very rarely someone has an allergic reaction and it causes either injury or death. Mm-hmm. But, but it kills. But it's right? such a tiny number compared to the number of people that are saved by it. So you're sort of taking, again, you're taking like a one in a million risk to avoid a one in 10,000 risk. Sure. Sure. But that's, the, I mean, that's, I think the bigger problem here is a thing that we'll never get over as a species, which is our love of anecdotes. Like, we, we don't relate to numbers, we relate to stories. Absolutely. And if you have one powerful story. That can do so much to sway and undermine a mountain of data that contradicts that one story. Like that, we, we cling to that happen. so much, yeah, yes, yeah. So, uh, which is again something that people who are trying to convince people to use vaccines, they are slowly learning that it does you no good quoting statistics. It yeah, doesn't you no good showing showing mathematically. It's telling the story of the kid who got measles. Mm-hmm. Telling mm-hmm. the story of what smallpox was like telling the story of like you know this this yeah, it's what po- it's this person is now a- known forever it's, yeah. and it's never, yeah. that, that's never going to change as a part of human behavior and that's sort of a bummer because yeah, I don't know how I received this letter today from this child <laughs> like oh boy here comes this goddamn yeah. story yeah yeah my dad is against it because he's like well it's software and if it's software it can be hacked I'm like well that ship has sailed dude as, yeah. far as, as far as how much of our lives we trust software it's like we're just going to have to tr- hopefully trust that the good guys are going to have enough just fucking coding manpower to stay ahead of would-be hackers. But. Sure. Yeah. There is actually a, a story that's linked to from this, it's just in the sidebar next to this parking story that I was about to um, read, but uh, Snakes and Ladders trump sharks on summer's deadly list. By the way, you call it shoots and ladders is the game. I think they particularly... But there's just, again, we're scared of sharks because... You, you mean actual snakes and actual ladders... Or uh, the, playing the game shoots yes. and ladders. Wait, what are you saying? No, actual snakes and actual <laughs> okay, ladders. Okay. So this is a list of things that are more dangerous than sharks. And this yeah. is an Australian article. Oh, I like this already. Uh, so things that are more dangerous include, according to the Australian Bureau of Statistics, <laughs> ladders. Yeah. Uh, a, an average of 27 people a year die from ladder-related accidents compared to the um, 2.3 a year uh, killed by sharks, and that includes the anomaly of five deaths in 2014. Two point th- <laughs> sorry, it's two point three in Australia or in the world. This is in Australia. Still a very low number. At, Still uh, a very low number. At work, uh, 
Uh, Tosh. Tosh, yeah, yeah. Tosh is a he, he's a big surfer. We should point out that uh, Ricky works on the Tosh Point. I work on Tosh Point. And uh, when is he going to upgrade? I've been waiting. What's up? Yeah. <laughs> I've been waiting for that alert on my phone. <laughs> oh, you're not beta That's testing. You get the beta Tosh Point and he's somebody who will who will because he surfs a lot and, and and enjoys being in the water. He's somebody who will always bring up like sharks aren't as dangerous as you think. Sharks are not right. as dangerous as you think. Uh, same thing with and now here's where I'm I'm I'm, I'm kind of ignorant. It's either alligators or crocodiles. Same thing. Like they don't give a shit about humans. They're doing their own thing. Yeah, so this think, thing where like oh I think god, there's a cro- crocodiles are more dangerous than alligators. Okay, I believe that's okay. true, listeners. Write in if I'm wrong about that. <laughs> oh, well, I, I remember surfing. Also, is if, if I happen to get attacked by a shark, most shark attacks aren't fatal. How badass would it be to survive a shark attack? Oh, <laughs> old, girl, old girl who got her arm bit off. I mean, I don't she's like a superstar. Arm, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I would like, I mean, losing a foot wouldn't be the end of the world and would be a fucking great story. What am I saying? I don't want to lose. <laughs> definitely don't want to lose an arm. But if you get like a robot foot out, out of it. But yeah, but see, I'm not that attached to my feet. I mean, I am, but like literally, but <laughs> you not. literally like, are. Personality wise, it's like, if I had. Uh, by the way, on the subject of corrections, this is one I missed from a couple of weeks ago, but uh, listener only gives the name RDM because it was a comment on the Squarespace site that says, uh, I was talking about squirting solvents in chemistry lessons and setting fire to them. Uh-huh. And he says, 111-trichloroethane is a non-flammable organic solvent. You're probably using an oxygenated solvent like acetone or alcohol, or, or an alcohol. Uh, I guess so, because I, I looked it up as well. You're absolutely right. So I don't know. I've gone 15, 20 years thinking I had the wrong chemical. Apologies to anyone who's tried to set fire to stuff with that. But yeah, you can't. I love our listeners. We have the best and smartest listeners. You guys are great. Thank you, RDM. Wrong about that. Uh, other things that are more dangerous... Animal dr- riding animals or animal drawn vehicles. That makes total sense. Uh, yeah. Uh, 86 <laughs> people killed between tw- 2006 and 2016. Include, an average of 80 a year. Does that include shark drawn vehicles? Oh, I don't know. Yeah, one of those people who's you know, riding on their surfboard Analo- while. Analog jet skis. Yep. Yeah. Uh, more people die from contact with venomous snakes and lizards in Australia than sharks. Very believable, mm. very believable. That's again. Are all uh, are, are all rattlesnakes venomous? Hmm. I went on a hike last week, and there was a, it was the first time I'd ever seen a sign that said uh, "Be aware of rattlesnakes." And I was like, "Why am I walking through this? Then I don't." You've I, never I, seen a rattlesnake? Uh, I'm from Chicago. Dude. Oh. <laughs> I guess I've only seen one since I moved here. But, um, <laughs> I mean, yeah, I've, I've, I've been here six years now, but no, I, I have not seen a rattlesnake. I, I think not. I remember hearing. I don't know if they're all venomous. I think they are, but I have heard that among the venomous ones, like, is there just one species of rattlesnake? Or I don't know. But I've heard baby babies are more venomous, or their venom is in a higher concentration. Or something. Okay. So, the, and I guess if it's smaller, be even more cautious because they'll fuck you up. More. And they are a group of venomous snakes. Okay. Mm. But apparently, they're, they're, I think they are all venomous. Um, the leading cause contributor to snake bite injuries in North America. However, rare, they rarely bite unless provoked or threatened. And if treated promptly, the bites are seldom fatal. Oh, okay. Um, so, um, so other things that are more dangerous. Yeah. Uh, where have we gone? I've just lost that article. Um, lightning doesn't kill more people than sharks. That is a myth. Hmm. But... Dangerous storms in general, uh, including 159 people have drowned in floodwaters in the last 10 years. More than half were people who were attempting to drive through the floodwaters before they drowned. (laughs) And then hornets, wasps, and bees as well. Not only more deadly than sharks, but collectively 
uh, kill as many people as snakes and were responsible more for more than 12,000 hospitalizations. I'm terrified of bees. Bees, really? I don't fall, oh, dude. An allergy or just... Uh... No, it, when I was a kid, I got uh, I got a bee stuck in my jacket Ooh. and it stung me in my back. Ooh. And yeah, and it was just one of those things of like freaking out knowing there's yeah. a bee yeah. and you can't get to it and then getting stung by it. That the, that's the equivalent of like uh, seeing Jaws for the first time and right. being like I'm like like that's my that's my Jaws. So anytime I to this day, man, that's that's like my one thing. If there's a bee in the room, I'll go wait in the other room. <laughs> open the fucking window. I, I don't even want to go like try and kill it. Like I don't well, no, have like that. Like to kill bees, I don't it's think. just it's like risky. I gotta get out of here, dude. I am not. No, 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 no. That sense memory of this thing. Yeah, I think oh, I didn't dude. get my first thing until I was relatively old, so I didn't have a healthy fear of them growing up. Oh, and I, I, never got, saw, I got one I when I was cycling. Like a, a bee sort of landed on my bike helmet, and I went to brush it away. Um, That's the thing too. Even like when you're just like, "Hey, bee, get out of here." Like, it's, if everything's all good, like, who knows how that, that bee might be like all this attack mode. Go, yeah, get him. Oh. But so, it doesn't want to either because most of them die, right? Most of them have one sting and they're dead. This tradi- the traditional is it, is it, I, I, I don't know which Like, like you were saying, I feel like that's like an anecdote as oh, well. Like, is it? Yeah, like, no, I think they do. I think bees only can get stingy ones. Wasps are multiple stingers. Oh, okay. I'm, so, again, if we're wrong, let us know. <laughs> this is So this story is actually more about the... The mathematics of finding a parking space, okay, in in multi stories or parking lots. I forgot we were talking about a parking story. Oh, <laughs> yeah, we, I like bringing it digress. back. We bring we brought it back. Should you sit and wait? Uh, you, um, if there are thirty part, imagine the um, imagine the parking lot as just uh one big rectangle, um. If there are 30 parked cars in that aisle, 15 on each side, and shoppers spend on an average three hours buying Christmas gifts, this was a Christmas story, <laughs> one should emerge and drive away at an average of every six minutes. Uh, but signaling your car blocking an aisle is not going to win you many friends. Um, the most obvious strategy is to head to a corner of the car park furthest from the shopping center, uh, says Sarah Bellet, who uses mathematical modeling in her master's research. <laughs> Uh, but if you don't fancy walking too far between your car and the shops, there are ways to maximize your chances of getting a closer shot spot. The key is to take a leaf from computer science and be methodical. Many computers use what's called a linear search to, for instance, search for a one in rows and rows of digits. First, it places the rows end to end, so you're left with one long line. Then it checks the digits. If it's not one, then it moves to the next. If it's not a one, move to the next. Uh, so this is saying just go from aisle to aisle. However, uh, there could be a better plan of attack. The skip a few strategy inspired by other computer search techniques might land you a space faster than a purely linear approach. This assumes there are more free spaces towards the back of the car park. So start by driving down the aisle closest to the shopping center. If you don't find a free space, skip to the second aisle, no di- then, the th- then the third, then try the sixth, then try the eleventh. Why not skip right away? So I think I think it's going like skip one, it's saying skip one aisle, skip two aisles, then skip four aisles. Okay. So I think the I think the idea is you first try the first aisle and see how see how it looks. Um, if that's full, you go one over. But if that's full as well, then you go all right. It's looking super. It's looking more full. So we should go a certain distance. We should jump ahead a bit because it right. looks like the first bulk are going to be full. Because I guess the more 
full the first two rows are, the more likely the next one is. Yeah. So then you go four and see, well, if nothing opens up there, then you go like, all right, well, that makes it more likely that it's really full. So now I'm going to go 11 aisles back. That's an, that makes sense. First of all, there's nothing mathier than the mathematics of parking. <laughs> I think that's, I think that's, I didn't realize, I, I think that's what I do. I, I, the only place that I really like park in a structure mm-hmm. is this, uh, this Target Best Buy that's not too far from where we are here over on, oh, yeah, uh, yeah. on, the, on La Brea. And like when you pull in there, yeah, I think I, I try out that first one and then I try out that second one. And if I don't see anything there, I'm like, ah, I don't give a shit. I'll just park wherever. And right. where do people hardly park? As far away it's as far. possible. And I'll just fucking walk it. I'm the same. You know, right? That Ralph's on Fountain and La Brea, I have to, there's a three decision process because there's always spots on top. Yep. But it, it takes you a fair amount of time. And then it's super slow to get down that elevator or that super long escalator. Yeah, the escalator. Uh, so I'll pretty much, if I see a spot on the street, I'll take that right away and sure. pay over the free parking. I might have to like wait around for three minutes for. I'm like, whatever. This is worth fifty cents to me to just have the spot on the street. Yeah, I know that. I don't, is, I don't know if that's a generational thing or what, but I just don't. I no longer have the. I've got to park as close as possible to something. Yeah, like I, I just want to get out of my car. Out of my car. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I, they, that is the biggest driving factor is how quickly I'm uh, getting out of my car. Yeah. Um, I always forget about that top. Uh, it's always there. It's always I know. Got I know. Tons of space. Yeah, it's, a big, it's a time suck. It's a time L- suck. Little coda to this story, by the way. Um, being a nice person can speed up your parking as well, according to a 1997 study in the U.S. How quickly a shopper drove out of a parking space uh, is affected by whether or not the motorist waiting to get in beeps. If you beep at them, they actually spend longer getting out. Uh, I've done that. I'm that asshole. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. oh, absolutely. It's just the mirror. Yeah, abs- oh, yeah. Like, oh, you, oh, you, oh I'm, I'm on your schedule now, bro? Watch this. Let me finish listening to this song right quick. <laughs> I, I guess I probably... It's dangerous to floss while driving, so I just floss... <laughs> So all this stuff only applies to obviously like flat parking lots and not structures because you most of those you just keep going up and up and up and there's well, no. No, I I would even say I know, I know some of the well some of the big parking structures now will also include like they'll have signs that tell you how full they are. But yeah, I would say I love those things. Yeah, um, but I I would say the ones that don't. I think it, if it's a big enough multi-story, then actually probably the same thing does hold true. You try the first level first, then the second level. Then, if that's if both of those, there isn't a single space. Then probably skip ahead to the fourth because you what know. What skipping ahead mean? Well, sometimes as you're. Some, well, no, sometimes it depends. Some of them you have to drive all the way around, but some of them you can just you know if you take two rights quickly, you you get okay. straight up to the next I level. Imagine mm-hmm. the pure spiral ones where all you can do is keep going anyway. Oh so. yeah, no, but some of them you can you you know you can sort of cut through and jump up a level quicker rather than going right the way around the yeah. whole thing. I also do some so maybe like, sorry, may, sorry maybe, so maybe you do that same org that you go like one four. One, two, four, seven, yeah, and yeah. then right up to the top. If you have the option of skipping, I just, yeah. I also do some of my least safe driving while I'm looking for parking in a structure because I'm driving. I mean, I'm driving slow, but I'm looking to my left and right. Not right ahead. So much, yeah, not straight ahead. Uh, yeah, and because- I just know one day somebody's going to be like, just smash, <laughs> smack my hood and be like, hey, brah, attention. Yeah, I'm walking here. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, there was a place, oh, you know, the Citadel, that giant uh, parking. St- Thing down in Commerce, south of downtown, that there's a giant like um, Christmas present box that you can see from the highway. It's uh, a I bunch prob- of outlet shops, the Citadel. 
Anyway, oh. it's just a giant place that's obviously super packed before the holidays. And I was there and they had people at the front of the parking structure, which was one of those spiral ones with no way to shortcut. They were giving you a gift bag with like freebies and a free entry to some VIP lounge at the mall if you would park on the 7th and 8th floors <laughs> of structure. I was like, why would they? I was like, oh yeah, because I guess if everyone is just stopping at the first spot, then the time it takes you to get into a spot, like I can see how that would back up traffic, so traffic then slows even entering the structure where if like most of the people now are by default going to the top and leaving, and there were like six floors of empty spaces. Sure. But I was like, well, sure, I'll take this free, uh, there was like free food and so whatever, I'll try this. Um, and that makes sense. Yeah, if you have everyone backloading, then you don't have a, you're not going to have a bottleneck at the entrance to it if you're right. all trying to fill in from the top down. I know exactly what you're talking about. I parked there once to actually record a podcast. At the Citadel? Yeah, right? and I was like, I'm never coming to this building ever again. I hated <laughs> it so much. It was a bitch to like get in there because of, there was a backlog. People okay. trying to get, get in, like pulling out and just waiting for like downtown traffic to go by. I was like, I'd have just preferred yeah. taking a Lyft or an Uber or like figuring out the subway. Yeah. This is madness. They must have uh, had enough problems with This the- is Sparta. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, hey, Ricky. Yes. Where can our listeners find out more about you and your work? Oh, well, uh, you can listen to my movie podcast, as you guys mentioned earlier, Who Shot Ya? On, uh, on uh, Apple Music or iTunes, uh, well, MaximumFun.org. Uh, man, Andy and I were just talking about this before we were recording. I'm on Twitter and I'm on the Instagram, but this might be the year where I leave the social media world <laughs> because, uh, man, we just we don't know how to talk to each other. On, uh, I'm, online, I'm getting there as well. You know, I, I feel like a lot of us are getting I really there, am. and like, I don't, I don't know if it's even more so within the comedy community where what I really loved about social media in the beginning was like, this is just a place where I come to be funny yeah. and I can just drop jokes and go about my day solid. And now it's just kind of turned into this huge hot mess of who's right and who's wrong on whatever issue you're on. Yeah. And, uh, like I love going to comedy clubs and telling jokes, but I probably would eventually, even if it got me, gave me lots of stage time, stop going to a club. If I knew they also had like a meeting space for Nazis. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's like, yeah, like I'm not performing on Nazi night, but yeah. I know Nazi night is on the calendar. So yeah. And it's, I yeah, know it's like, they do get a lot of Nazi. <laughs> <laughs> and there's like, just, yeah, and there's just that other room as well out front where, like, it's not the room I'm performing in, but they just shout, like, abusive sexual abuse terms at women who walk past on the street. It's like, eh, do I want to be... I don't know if I want to be at this club. I don't know if it's... Is this a good club? It's a good club. It's like, when it's good, it's good. They're hot uh, nights. They're hot nights. That being said, I'll be at Flappers and Burbank on Nazi night. <laughs> Uh, so I mean, you can find me on Twitter and on Instagram. I I have I I don't post on there as much as I as I used to. But sure, go ahead and follow me there. <laughs> uh, and uh, as you guys said, watch Tosh Point oh. Matt, I forgot that you worked at uh, at the Jim Jeffries show. Yeah, uh, say hello to I have, I have former Tosh Point oh friends there. So say hello oh, who to, are the uh, Tosh to Point oh people here. Uh, Andrew Wontuck, say hello to of course, say hello to yeah. Andrew. Say hello to Scott for me. Of course, I last, uh, the last time I saw you was at Scott's, was at Scott's Christmas party. Yeah, Scott's Christmas party. Scott, who's the showrunner of Jim Jeffries, was previously oh. 
the, uh, was he the showrunner of Tosh? He was certainly one of the producers. He was, on he, it. he was one of the producers and the, the director. He was not the showrunner. Uh, uh, and then he took another guy over, Andrew Wontuck, who's now his, I think, supervising producer. Okay. Who's like his number two. Uh, I love those guys dearly. And uh, I met Kevin through him and Matt Bronger wrote White Flight. That was like a Comedy Central online oh, thing. Oh, yeah, yeah. So say what's up to my man, Kevin Avery, for me oh, as well. Very funny guy. Yeah. Ricky, thanks so much for joining us. Yeah, Listen thanks us. for having me, guys. I hope I did okay. I hope, awesome. I hope I did. I hope this is what, what the show was supposed yes, to be. Oh, this I was love very you. nervous those first five minutes. <laughs> I was like, this motherfucker is dropping words on me, dude. You're great. <laughs> Listeners, thank you very much. As always, you can email us, probablyscience at gmail.com. Tweet us at probablyscience. Find us on Facebook slash probablyscience. Uh, you can find the donation button at probablyscience.com as well. Help us out financially and also help us by spreading the word. Yeah. Uh, thank you so much and we'll be back next week oh and if I could plug quickly oh this, yeah I'll put this up in time but it's it's a long shot if you're in LA though and you're listening to this right now the first day it comes out you can come out tonight uh, Tuesday January 9th to the three clubs to see Guilty Treasure the show I do every month with Brian Cook where comedians and musicians come on and talk about and play the songs that they hate to love. The I'm, first one was great. The first one was fun. The first one had more songs that, even though they're all supposed to be sort of guilty pleasure songs, as the name Guilty Treasure would imply, uh, the first one had more songs that I actually like. This one has ones that I really, really hate, but I think that'll make <laughs> it more fun. I've been having to learn uh, a Poison song, a Lee Greenwood song, a Glenn Fry song. Um, but it's uh, Julian uh, Bacala is bringing his own saxophone player to do You Belong to the City by Glenn Fry. What? So it's That's amazing. Be, and we've got uh, the guitarist and opener for Tenacious D. Oh, um, Caitlin yeah. Gill and Ben Roy is going to close out our show. Of those hell who yeah. So Very funny people. Come out to three clubs um, on Vine Street in Hollywood, 8 o'clock. LA Tuesday, people, I, I'm I'm going to be down there just as a punter. I'm going to be sitting <laughs> in the audience and enjoying every second of it. So do <laughs> come along. Time. All right. And we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.